1998, I was attending a small church, Calvary Chapel Running Springs, and I decided to get involved in the ladies' study, and so I showed up. It was a very small group, and they were studying the Joyful Life Study by Kay Smith, and it was Ephesians. And I was amazed back then at how much was in this little book. And at the time, Jeff was a, the pastor and director at the, the youth camp, as it was known back then. And when they found out that I was a pastor's wife, they kind of... Uh, they talked me into taking over the study, and I was terrified. And I remember the first study that I taught in Ephesians. I mean, I'm looking, looking at these expectant faces, and they're like, wow, what is she going to teach us? We finally got a pastor's wife. And so I'm staring at them, all five of them. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I was so blessed, though. It was kind of my start as, uh, as a teacher, and so... Twelve years would pass, and Jeff was now the pastor of this little church, Calvary Chapel Running Springs. And once again, I decided to teach this book of Ephesians. And I was amazed once again exactly how much I learned and how I grew through that book. And now, ten years has passed, and I'm teaching it once more. So I'm pretty excited. I know I'm going to learn a whole bunch more than I have the previous times I've taught it, and I am so excited. So before we get into an intro into this amazing book, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so blessed to once again sit in your house, to sit at your feet, and to learn of you. I thank you for this book in Ephesians. I have learned so much about your grace and just how much you love me. And Lord, I would pray that each one of these ladies here would know that they are blessed and that they belong and that they are accepted by you, Lord. And so we love you. We thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Church of Ephesus, where was it? Well, modern-day Turkey. Uh, you could see the little red dot up there, or is, is that that's a square, excuse me. Uh, and it was in modern-day Turkey. It was a port town, but it was a it was kind of run by the Greeks, and it was built in 10 BC. And the church at Ephesus was known for their tolerance of all different kinds of religion. They were kind of, at that time, they were kind of Greek and Roman, and they were actually boastful about how uh, they had so much diversity and religious uh, tolerance and that kind of thing. And it was also the home of a cult called Artemis, along with about 50 other various gods and cults that were going on there. But this particular one was kind of the main one in Ephesus. And it was a real problem for especially the church at Ephesus because it was basically sex-based. And prostitution was very common in the temple. And abuse was common there. And cult members were encouraged to surrender their daughters to become priestess and serve in the temple. And so here comes the, the gospel, and it's setting all these people free, and people, you know, the, the priests are getting very upset because they see their cult breaking down and that kind of thing. But this is how the church in Ephesus was birthed. I mean, it was through all this persecution. 
Now, Paul led the church. He's the one that started it, and he was there for about three years. No doubt loved the people there. And then it appears as though Timothy took over after that. And also during this time, you remember Priscilla and Aquila from last year? We studied about Priscilla in our Women of the Bible series. Uh, She was also involved in a home study there, and she was a prominent member of the church there. But the church grew and became known as a very loving church, reaching out to the community, trying to save all these young ladies, and they had a great impact for the gospel. But it had to be very discouraging. And so the Lord prompted Paul to write this letter to the church of Ephesus. Now, our theme verse is Ephesians 1.6, and it says, To the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Now, I couldn't decide which version I liked best, so I decided to give you all the the three main ones. And so we had uh, the New King James Version, to the praise and the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And then New Living Translation, so we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. So that's how I came up with blessed, accepted, and belong, because it was in all three of those versions. So let's break this down a bit, though. First, he says, praise God for his grace. Now, if anybody knew about grace, it was the Ephesians. I mean, think about how wicked this town was. And Titus 2.11.14, Paul writes to his uh, understudy, Titus, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. It's almost like he was writing it to the people in Ephesus too, isn't he? We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God while we look forward with with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. Now, an interesting note, Titus, whom this letter was written to, was a Greek. So he actually knew exactly all this that the Greeks were doing and the Romans in their wicked ways. And so he was probably very blessed by this scripture. But because of God's grace, we are now blessed, accepted, and belong to Jesus because of what he has done for us. Now, some versions actually say that we are received with hospitality. I like that. Uh, it's kind of like when you have uh, that, that special friend that's coming to visit. It's that kind of feeling. It's like you can't wait for them to visit. See, that's how God looks to, at us. He can't wait for us. Sorry, I keep hearing a little pop in my microphone. I think it's better now. Does it sound better? But anyway, um, he, he like when we have a friend coming to visit, don't you want the room to be there? The room they're going to be staying in to be just perfect. You might even go out and buy new linens. You'll clean up your house. Maybe do a a, a little bit of 
uh, repair work, you know, that, that hole in the wall that's been there forever. You know, you want to get those kind of things done. See, that's what Jesus, prompt, right, right? You guys are shaking your head. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I do the same thing. But you see, that is what that means to be accepted and blessed. God cannot wait to say, look what I have for you. It's having that eternal perspective. He is waiting to bring us into his arms through like a hospitality. That's what that means. It doesn't mean that you're just gifted at, at blessing people with good food. It also means that you make them feel welcome. And so acceptance also means that because of our relationship to Jesus, we have a relationship with God, and he is well-pleased with his children. Amen? And it is only by being a child of God is this enjoyed. So what is in Ephesians? I look at Ephesians as a treasure chest. Now, years ago, when um, we were at Calvary Chapel Running Springs, I used to do all the VBSs. And one year, we had, it was like high seas adventure, and it was all kind of sailing theme. And I turned the sanctuary into a sailing ship and had these, you know, cool, cool things all over the stage. And one of those things was a treasure chest. Now, I had gone to uh, the thrift store, found an old trunk. And it was actually quite big, about this big. And I kind of put a false bottom in it so I didn't have to fill the whole thing with, with treasure. And then I just kind of collected a bunch of beads from like, I think they had a, a sale at Michael's and I'm dumping all these false uh, or fake uh, beads and pearls and, and rubies, you know, just all sorts of sparkly things that kids would really like. And then I got a bunch of those chocolate um, uh, coins, you know, and threw a bunch in there. And it was quite the display, you know, it was draping over like it was overflowing with treasure. And I remember one time uh, we had our youth pastor, he would dress up oftentimes for, for these uh, VBSs. And this year he dressed up like a pirate and he was trying to rob us of our treasure. And, and when Pastor Jeff, he was there that morning. He was turning away, and it was all part of the skit. And, and meanwhile, the pirates, they snuck in, you know, and they grabbed the treasure, and they ran out the back door. And the kids, the whole time, they're going, there's a pirate. He's stealing the treasure. There's a pirate. And anyway, the next thing I know, all the kids... Every one of them jumped up out of their seat. They ran out the back door and out the church. And I'm going, that wasn't supposed to happen, right? <laughs> All 150 of them took off out the door. And so we're going, okay, no, 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 no. It's okay, okay. We're, we're going to bring the treasure back. See, they knew that the treasure was worth something. The treasures we have in Ephesians are so much better than rubies and pearls, and diamonds. Matthew 6, 19 and 21 says, don't store up treasures here on earth. What are those treasures? Those are the things that we have, those physical things, cars, jewelry, houses, clothes. It says, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves or pirates break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. What, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. 
So Ephesians is full of spiritual treasures, those treasures which will give us abundant life, which will give us so many things that make our lives actually better, those spiritual gifts. And we can take all of these to heaven. Now, our goal should be that every treasure and every blessing that we receive from the word of God will be something that cannot be taken away. Nobody can take it away from us. These are promised to us. The book of Ephesians is full of promises that will make our lives better. So let's look at some of these treasures to be studied this year. Well, chapter one talks about us being redeemed and all the gifts that we have through that. Now, redeemed simply means that we have been uh, purchased or that ransom has been paid. See, we were slaves to sin, weren't we, before we received Christ as our Savior. It's because Jesus paid the ransom. So we have been redeemed. Ephesians 1.7 says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Amen to that. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. So let's get this right. We sin. Our sins have now been paid for by Jesus, by him dying on the cross. And on top of that, he showers us with kindness and wisdom and understanding. That's amazing when you think about it. And you know, an interesting thing about a treasure chest is you don't know what's in it unless you open it up. That's why we need to open up the word of God so we see what treasures are available to us. Chapter 2 talks about how much grace we have received. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Most of you know this one by heart in the new uh, King James Version. But the New Living Translation says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So we don't have to work for this grace. It is a free gift. In fact, we can never work hard enough to earn our salvation. That's the way God planned it so that we don't become prideful and think that that we're all that, that we can buy ourselves into heaven. Therefore, God, through his son, worked it out for us, and he gives it to us for free. And all we have to do is receive that gift, receive that treasure. Also in chapter 2, we have been given peace. Boy, don't we all need peace? Peace gives us that, that rest that our soul so desires. Ephesians 2 17 and 18 says, he brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles. Whoops, I think think I'm on the wrong one, sorry. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far off from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what? Christ has done for us. So we have peace because of what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross. That's amazing. So we have so many things already. I mean, you feel your treasure chest beginning to to get full here. Chapter three, we can come boldly to God. That is amazing to me. 
Ephesians 3.12 says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. What does that mean? We can pray to God directly because God now sees us through the righteousness of our Savior, Jesus. He sees us that way. We are white as snow because of what Christ did for us. So we can talk to God directly, just like Moses did. Can you imagine? Of course, we're not supposed to do this in a disrespectful way, like, you know, all right, God, you have to listen to me, although sometimes we do do that, don't we? You know, especially when we're mad at him, which God understands, but, I mean, think about it. If you're talking back to the, the God of the universe that created the universe, yeah, can you imagine? But, you see, we don't have to go through a, a priest anymore because of what Christ has done for us. And God loves to hear from his children, just like we love to hear from our kids. I have two adult sons, and I love it when they call. I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm giddy over text, you know. Wow, Brandon texted me. Wow, Austin texted me. I just love to hear from them. Did you know that your heavenly father's the same way? Loves to hear from you. It doesn't matter how big of a deal you might be having or how little of a deal you might be having, you know. Sometimes we just need to talk to our Heavenly Father like we do our earthly fathers. And then chapter 4, we have unity. Listen to this, Ephesians 4, 2 and six, through 6. It says, always be humble and gentle, talking to us. Be patient with each other, again, talking to us, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Now, because we love each other, we shouldn't be critical we should be understanding. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. This is what is required of God's church. This is how we're supposed to get along. We're not supposed to be fighting with each other just because they might be a different denomination or something or they have a different political view or they have a different view of, of COVID. Who knows what can split a... Uh, a which can actually play havoc on the unity of the church. So many things, but we're supposed to bind ourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. I think that paints a pretty good picture, doesn't it? It's like... We're supposed to be united. We're not supposed to be bickering amongst ourselves. Why is that so important? Because the world desperately needs good examples. You got to remember, he's writing to the Ephesians during this time, but it also applies to us today. But in, in Ephesus back then, I mean, that was a pretty wicked town. So you can imagine all the turmoil that they were going through. Chapter 5, walking in love or learning to love others. That's what the basis of this chapter is. Ephesians 5.2 says, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. What kind of example did he give us? He was loving no matter what. He was gentle and loving. 
He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma for God. That's the example we have. We're supposed to be just like that. We're supposed to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Not only are we shown how to walk in light and wisdom and not stumble around in the dark, we know how and what God wants us to do. Chapter 5 then goes on to talk about the marriage relationship. And the infamous wives submit to your husband's phrase. Okay, let's listen to this. Ephesians 5, through 24. For wives, this means submit your husbands to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. Now, you're probably thinking she did not just say that. (laughs) Sorry, it's there. So, before you get flustered, it goes on. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave up his life for her. That's a lot of love, isn't it? So, if we submit to our husbands and... Our husbands love us as Christ loves the church and died for his church, then you can see how that would work. But if you want to know more, you're going to have to come on March 15th next year and learn all about it. We will give you a lot of information there. (laughs) Was that a shameless plug? All right, next we have the armor of God, Ephesians 6, 11 through 12. It says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Wow, that sounds scary. It sounds like a horror flick, doesn't it? But God gives us the armor to withstand all of this. And always remember that he that is in you is greater than he who is in the world. But he gives us a lot of armor to put on. And this should prove that we need that armor. So let's go over what treasures we have uncovered so far. And there's many, many, many more. But first we have redemption, which we all need because of our sin nature. We're promised wisdom and understanding. I need more wisdom. I need more understanding. We're promised grace. We're promised peace, unity, learning how to love others, marital advice. We have parental advice in, uh, excuse me, advice in there also. And he gives this, us the ability to do all that by putting on his armor. And this is just a few of the highlights in this treasure chest that is available to us. But the essence of what Ephesians is giving us is a victorious Christian walk. 
oftentimes I've heard it said, if you could only have one book of the Bible, what would it be? You know, and everybody has their favorites. My favorite is Ephesians because I get so much out of it. It's like the gospel message all packed into six chapters. And I love it. And it is a true treasure. You see, we all want to be blessed. We all want to belong. We all want to be accepted. And we have that because of what Jesus Christ did for us. That is what we learn in Ephesians. We belong to God Therefore, we are accepted by him. And no matter what we do, that forgiveness will always be there. All we have to do is ask for that forgiveness. And that is the true blessing, isn't it? The true treasure here. So I think we need to store up more treasures from God's word than treasures from from the world. But we do chase after him, don't we, from time to time. It's easy to get kind of sucked into that. But keep your eyes on the treasures that cannot be destroyed, that the moth cannot eat, and it can't rust because it's eternal treasures. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for so much treasure that you have promised us in this book of Ephesians. Lord, my prayer is for each one of these precious ladies here would understand exactly how much they mean to you, that you would promise so much to us, so many blessings, and that we will belong to you always and that you have accepted us. So we love you, Lord. We thank you, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.